You're listening to the Hope Assembly podcast with Pastor Ryan Day. For more information, you can visit us online at hopeassembly.org. Please enjoy this week's sermon. Hey, Hope Assembly, good morning. Thank you so much, Deanne, for reading that scripture for us. And we'd love to be able to see all the many faces of who makes up the body at Hope Assembly. And we hope that the opportunity to just kind of have different people go through some announcements and uh, some scripture reading just brings a little more joy to our hearts as we are able to see um, just our church family out in the world and here on the World Wide Web. And I hope you guys have had a good week. Um, I know the weather changed a little bit, so that made it uh, not as nice to be in quarantine, but hopefully the news of things opening up a little bit more um, will just bring us into a new season of normalcy a little bit and something new um, as we step forward and um, go into this new kind of time together as the world. And so uh, this morning, just have a word I want to bring with you guys and um, just something that I think is really relevant for the time that we're in. And last week, I shared a little bit about um, this topic that will kind of carry over. You'll kind of see some tie in a little bit, but I'm just excited to share this with you. Um, and so as Deanne read uh, Psalm 37, uh, we're going to be in the first part of that. And if we kind of really look at what this passage is, we see um, David really giving us some wisdom and honestly wisdom that would probably most likely be found in Proverbs, but we're finding it in Psalms. And just a couple background things about this passage that is really going to help us understand this better is David really wrote this passage as an older man. And so he had lived his life. Um, he had gone through, he had many experiences of running from Saul, being in caves, running from enemies, um, all the things that David experienced in his life. And so he writes the psalm as a, a sage, a person who is experienced in his relationship with God and really writing some things down on how we can have wisdom and understanding and working through tough times. So this passage really, if we want to look at a major theme and an understanding of what this passage is, it sort of is how and why the wicked prevail. And even though the passage is on that, we can still glean some of this wisdom and look outside of that and see some own things that we can take in our own lives about how we can apply this wisdom um, and sometimes in tough situations. Um, and a couple more things to note about this passage I think is interesting is sort of the writing flow. And poetry is unique and, and sort of it's slow, but a couple things is this really follows the Hebrew alphabet. So each point, or um, if you want to break it down, sentence is sort of following through the Hebrew alphabet. So starting from the beginning, going to the end, um, this is a, a common way that people could remember. And so if you think uh, when you're a child, kind of learning the alphabet, right? It's A is for apple, B is for fill in the blank. You keep going through the alphabet. It's kind of a similar way that they can remember and recite um, scripture easier. And so this is one of the ways they could do that. Um, so there's really seven things we're going to break down in this passage uh, that we can really apply to our lives. And I want to, in each one of these seven things, I also want to ask a question. Because this is a command that David is telling us to command us to do something. But also in this command, I want to flip it and ask the question and say, how are we doing? Are we actually doing this command? How are we doing this? And so uh, we're going to dig into this together. Um, so super excited. Um, so the first verse, uh, do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither and like green plants, they will soon die away. So the first thing is don't fret. Now, what are we talking about when we say fret? And a common way of saying fret is worrying or being anxious. 
And so David says, don't fret. So the question for us, even before we move on anymore, is, am I worried? Do I fret? Am I anxious? So we ask this question of ourselves, do I find myself feeling this way? As David says, don't fret. And I think it's easy for us to read through scripture and understand that when it says like, trust God, don't fret, don't worry, all these kind of really nice things. Um, the thing is that brings me comfort is knowing that David wrote this. And as I said in the beginning, who was running away, living in caves, scared for most of his life until he found a new way. But imagine the amount of trust and not fretting and not worrying. And so when he tells us to not fret, don't worry. Because we're going to unpack this more, but it's amazing. And so if we think about this worry. So why does he say, don't stress, don't worry? Um, I think one of the things that worrying is a choice. Now, we cannot control our thoughts, but we can control of what we dwell on. So currently right now. There's a lot of uncertain things around us that we're not sure what's going to happen today, what's going to happen tomorrow, weeks, years down the road. Like we're a very uncertain time. So one thing that we could do is we could be caught up with worrying and fretting about all the things that are in front of us. And guys, that is a very likely response and that is okay. I want to say that it's okay to be worried about some of those things. But in light of worrying, we also have the response that we don't need to dwell on those things, right? That, okay... These things exist. I'm concerned about these things, but they don't need to consume all of me. And so when David says, don't fret, don't worry, don't let these things consume you. Um, so take a step back and, okay, I'm going to dwell on the positive things right now. I'm not going to find myself worrying and fretting about these things that are out of my control. Um, there are things that are in our control that we can do, but there are many things when we find in tough situations that are out of our control and our ability to really take care of. And so we take a step back. So part of this passage, he also says, um, don't be envious of those who do wrong for like the grass, they will soon wither like green plants, they will soon die away. So again, the main theme of this passage is how, you know, the wicked prevail. And I even think if we take a step back and we, you know, look at jobs, right, or, or things that we've seen around us, and a common thing in a job is, you know, you're up for a promotion, you know, someone else around you is up for a promotion and you know you're waiting for that promotion you feel real good about it you know you've performed well you've done everything with integrity you've done it with character and then you come the next day and the person who has zero integrity zero character that done everything wrong to climb the corporate ladder um, is getting recognized for their work and they've got the promotion right so the wicked prevail so in light of this how do we have that ability to take a step back how can we say, you know, this is going to happen? And so even when I look at my grass outside, I find this interesting as well. How quick, um, if you stop watering grass, when it gets hot outside, it just disappears, right? It just disappears. Like it's gone. You know, I've killed a number of plants in my house. Um, cactuses, you'd be amazed. You can kill a cactus. I've done it. Um, but it all comes back to it. it can just quickly wither away, just like the snap of the fingers. In the same way when... Um, David's talking about this is the grass can disappear plants can disappear just like that same with the evil person um, so just remember that so number one was don't fret so the question was that is do I worry am I worried so it continues on trust in the Lord and do good dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture 
Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So the next command is trust in the Lord and do good. So the question for us, if we turn this back and kind of look at ourselves, is do I trust God and do I do good? So do I trust God and do I do good? And I think for one thing is we can probably honestly say at some point, yes, you know, I, I trust God. Yes, I, I do some good things, um, but yeah, you know, I, I probably trust God. But I think if we really take a step back and look at a bigger, you know, kind of above photo of this is do I, do I trust God? Do I know that what is going to happen? If I might not know what's going to happen, but do I know that I trust him no matter what is going to happen? And this is a tough spot to be in. So simply to trust God and do good for his glory. It is remarkable how quickly we can get distracted from the simple work around us, right? So what happens if we get into a situation that we're negative constantly or we're concerned or we're worried? We start to lack the ability to trust God, right? Because it sort of becomes something that we're trying to control to do our best. Um, and so we, we, we wrestle with this. So what does it mean to actually trust God? So kind of looking around, right? It's not dwelling on the things that we don't have control of, but trusting him, giving him the ability to just live and move in our being, to follow through, to be that. So we can't trust God without fear. And faith and trust are verbs. Faith and trust are a lifestyle and they involve action. So if we trust God, what's going to happen? Most likely, we're going to do good. So that's an action point of that. So when David says, trust God and do good. So what are some responses and action things that are in your life that are you doing that are good? Now, are you loving your neighbor? Are you taking care of your family? Um, are you honoring God with your time and your resources? Um, are you looking at justice in the world? And how are you stepping into the injustices that are happening? You know, all those type of things that we can think through that are good things. What are we doing as a response to our faith and trusting in God? But doing good is a command for holy living. God expects his people to live a life that is honoring to his name. If God's people could ever learn that God is pleased when we live for him, we could see him and bless us in great ways. The formula for success in the Christian life is found in Matt 6.33. It is as simple as trusting in the Lord and living for him. So living for the Lord and just trusting him day by day by day. So the question is, what is what is this delight yourself in the Lord as this passage kind of continues to go on? So this is another command we have is taking delight in the Lord. So delight, what does that even mean? Um, taking exquisite delight in the Lord, um, a source of pleasure. So what is your greatest source of pleasure? And so if we flip that again, and we, we ask the question of this is, um, do I find myself delighting in the Lord? Do I take pleasure in the Lord? Do I trust him? Do I give into that? So do I take pleasure? And delight yourself in the Lord, as I said, means exquisite delight. When life goes bad, we tend to focus on the problems that arise around us. When this happens, we become defeated, depressed, and we fall into sadness. However, at all times of life, we are challenged to let the Lord be the focus of our attention. If we can focus on who he is to us, then what he has done for us. How much he loves us 
And the darkest of days can be endured because we know something better awaits for us down the road. So do we delight in the Lord? Do we take that? Whatever happens, we tend to focus on the problems, right? Man, this is so bad. All these things are bad. You know, and if you've been now, going through this Enneagram study with us, uh, we kind of went through each um, Enneagram number over this last week. And uh, one of the things I found in myself is, um, is my number. But um, one of the things I saw is that I tend to, if something is bad in a relationship, I'll look at everything's bad. Really, the newest my relationship with God. It's like if something, one thing is bad, the whole thing is just bad. There's not like I can fix one spot. It's like, okay, well, let's redo the whole thing. This is all bad. Um, and sometimes I wrestle with that because I can fall into sadness. I can say, no, 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 so I need to fix this. But what does it mean for me to even that, take that delight in the Lord? To take a step back and say, okay, he's got this. Is the Lord my source of pleasure? Because the end of the day is we can find pleasure in a lot of things, right? Um, it's easy to turn the TV on, to watch sports, to find it in food, family. Um, there's a lot of things in the world that are out there that can give us pleasure. There's a lot of things that we can take delight in. And not all those things are necessarily bad. But at the end of the day, is, is the Lord the ultimate source and the top of our delight? Is he the most pleasurable thing that we are seeking at the end of the day? Is he the thing that, yes, Lord, you have all of me. You are it. You are worthy. Or am I looking at some of the things in the world and saying, no, no, no. Like, man, I take delight in all these things, but the Lord doesn't really cut it for me. It's all these things. So do you take delight in the Lord? So next he says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make you righteous. Reward shine like the dawn and your vindication like the moonday sun. So the next command is commit your ways to the Lord. So the question again on this is, do you commit yourself to the Lord? Are you giving your all to him? Do you commit? Do you trust only in the Lord? And I think this is one of those easy things, again, where we can say, yeah, you know, I, I've committed myself to the Lord. You know, I gave my life to Jesus you know, years ago, whatever, you know, we've been, we've been going along, we're, we're good. Um, everything's just, you know, kind of turning, we're, we're still moving forward. Um, but have you committed everything? And if we take a step back and, and look at everything in our life and maybe take an inventory, have I committed everything? Or no, 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 I'm still holding on to these few things that I cannot commit to the Lord. I'm still holding on to this money piece, like I cannot commit that to the Lord. My kids, I cannot commit that to the Lord. My spouse, my whatever, you name it, not being able to commit that to the Lord. So committing uh, to him is trust in the Lord. It means to find peace, perfection, and satisfaction in a surrendered focus on God. So peace, protection, and satisfaction in God. So can I lay that down? Can I commit all of that to the Lord and find that peace? So committing the way to the Lord includes going to God in prayer, taking our problems to the foot of the cross, and leaving our problems there with God. So leaving there. You know, I, it's funny because when we think of prayer, um, oftentimes it's like, well, if God already knows all my stuff, then why am I even really going to prayer and sharing it? But just laying our problems down, I'm like, you know, God, I, I don't have the answers for this. You know, I don't know what I'm going to do in this situation. Um, I have no idea how these finances are going to come through, how this job's going to come through. 
how this is going to work out. Um, you know, we go back to the beginning. I'm finding myself worrying and being anxious, but then committing that to the Lord, to laying it down and say, okay, you got this. You got it, God. I'm going to commit this to you. So the command, commit your way unto the Lord, you means to roll onto. The idea here is that we roll the burdens of life onto the Lord. The Lord does not ask his children to carry the burdens of life alone. He tells us to bring them to him. So Matthew eleven twenty eight, first Peter five seven, we do not have to bear the heavy burdens of life all by ourselves. We have a God who cares and commands to bring our burdens to him. Come to me, all you are weary and brokenhearted, and I will give you rest, right? Jesus says, come to me, give me your burdens, give me your cares, give me your stuff, bring them to me, and I will give you rest. Bring those things to me. So have you committed yourself to the Lord? Have you laid those things down? Do you find peace in him? Is it there? The next verse, he says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. So again, we've got a repeat in the word fret. So don't worry when people succeed in their ways and carry out their wicked schemes. So the next thing, the next command here is be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. So be still. So the question, am I still before the Lord? Do I patiently wait for him? Do I pause? Do I rest? The Hebrew word for be still in verse 7 means do not make a noise. Silence, as well as do not move. That, that's a pretty amazing thing to mean that, to not make a noise, do not move. So if that's the case, I'm frozen. I'm doing nothing. I'm not moving. I'm not talking. The only thing I'm doing is I'm probably breathing, and that's it. But outside of that, that is the kind of still that David is talking about. And I love this. God gave us two ears and one mouth. So what does that mean? We should probably be listening more than we should be talking. And so if that's the thing, if it is be still to listen, right? If we've gone through all these steps and we've said, you know, I'm not going to worry. I trust in the Lord. I've delighted myself in the Lord. I've committed my ways to him. There's a certain amount of control to say, okay, God, you've got the rest. I've got a rest in the knowledge of I've done these things. I sat in these things. I trust you. And now... I'm going to be still and I'm going to wait. You know the hard part about waiting? Is it's waiting. We don't know what's going to happen. We can trust God. We can say, God, I give this to you. You know, I don't know what's going to happen in this situation. You're going to do something. You're going to come through. It might not be the way that I thought, but it's going to happen. There's been numerous times in our in our lives that um, things have happened. And I'm going to I share a crazy story with you because I think it's amazing. But um a few months ago, my wife transitioned jobs and, um, you know, we kind of knew there was a little bit of time with transition with some finances because of that. And, you know, she left um, some money on the table with some bonuses and those type of things, but we knew it was the right thing to get her out of her job into a better situation. And uh, we had kind of kept getting random uh, direct deposits um, from her old job of just different commissions she got paid out for and all those type of things. And they're pretty small, you know, little, little numbers here and there. And so um, that was kind of it. And one day I opened our checking account and literally my eyes, I, I didn't know what to do. I saw a number that was crazy. Um, 
that I was not expecting. And I'm thinking, okay, there, there's a glitch error. I need to call the bank. There's something happening. Um, it turns out it was a bonus. Um, she was paid out on something that had happened and months, I mean, months and months later of leaving this job. And so I was amazed. And this is coming to a time where I was insanely praying for God to, um, you know, to come through on some finances um, that we needed some help in a couple of areas. And I said, you know, um, God, just pray that. And I, I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know how it was going to happen. And all of a sudden, a, a bonus shows up in our checking account. And my prayer is more of God giving me more opportunities for work and not necessarily expecting a bonus in our, our checking account. And so I think oftentimes the Lord works that way. That if we wait patiently for him and we pray, we might not understand what the end result is going to be. But he is going to do something that's going to be amazing. Um, but it's not the way we might always expect. So what does it mean to rest and be patient? And again, the hard part of patience is it could be a long time. There are many prayers that are still left unanswered that people have prayed for generations. Um, there's prayers that maybe you've prayed in your life um, and things that you've waited for that still haven't come to fruition. Um, there's been a lot of time that maybe you've waited and you're still waiting for something and you're sort of wondering what's going to happen and how it's going to happen. But again, it reminds us that God is sovereign, God is in control, and he is going to move and do as he sees fit when the time is right. So again, when we rest, it doesn't mean we do nothing. Rather, it means that after all that we've done, all that we can do, we should relax in the knowledge and know that God is going to take care of us. So relaxing and resting in the knowledge that God has our best interest, and he is going to take care of us. He loves us. He has our best interest. He's not out to get us. He is going to take care of us. And coming from David writing this too, and knowing that, you know, all the moments that he was running and running and running, that God was automatically going to take care of him. And so when he writes this, kind of telling us, you know, hey, God took care of me in all these situations. I didn't know how this was going to happen, but he did it. He came through. So the last part is refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Again, do not fret only to evil, for those who are evil will be destroyed, and those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. So the last command here that we have that David gives us is refrain from anger and wrath. So the question we want to ask again is, do I find myself easily led to anger? So if we are led to anger, that usually means most likely that there's trouble. Now, unless we're talking about righteous anger here, where we're stepping into an injustice, we're seeing that injustice is done in the world and we're uh, risen to anger because of that. But most likely, um, refrain from anger and don't turn to wrath. Because what happens to anger? It continues escalating, it moves. Um, oftentimes anger can have even an internal perspective that it can cause um, heart rate, blood pressure, all those type of things if it continues to evolve. Um, then anger can lead to other things, um, substances. Now this is going off a cliff again, but again, we're just following the path of anger here. So if we continue going down anger, and we all know maybe someone who's had a high amount of anger, and it's just the flip of a switch, right? The anger can just happen. So it's there, it's something there inside. So refrain from anger and don't turn to wrath. So do not worry for it only leads to evil. So we are commanded here to refrain from anger. It is easy to get bitter at God, the church, our surroundings, coronavirus, the government, our governor, whatever you want to do. 
it is easy to get anger at all the problems that mount up against us. When we see the wicked live their lives at ease, while we walk through the deep, dark valley, there is a tendency to become angry with the Lord, right? As we said, person gets promotion. I'm angry, right? These things happen. The wicked prevail. I'm angry. I want to get out of my house. I'm angry. I wish these things right now were different. I'm angry. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not worry. Am I easily led to anger? So how do I take a step back? I pray. I go through the beginning, right? I go through these seven things again. And again, these are all laid out in scripture for us. These aren't seven magic things that I've come up with. These aren't seven, you know, good advice things in a book. These are seven things that David has laid out for us as command in scripture. So again, if I'm feeling angry, I can go back. Do not worry, right? Trust in the Lord and do good. Delight yourself in the Lord. Command your way to the Lord. Be still for the Lord and wait patiently for him and refrain from anger and wrath. So we continue to go through these things. So right now, as we're in this season, I think this is a very fitting passage for us as a church, as a culture, as people, to walk through things. But imagine us as a church, if we live these things out, first and foremost, as we go into the world. As we live these things, we do these things, we show these things to others, and we wait patiently for the Lord. We don't know what's going to happen. But God's moving. He's sovereign. He's still doing amazing things. He's still going to do amazing things in years from now. But we have to wait. So all this sounds difficult. It sounds like we're just to lay back and allow life to take us where it will. Whatever the truth is, the command in these verses are a call to action. Trust, delight, commit, rest, cease. God is calling us to take control of ourselves as we yield to him. He is calling us to be involved in the process. It may not control what happens in my life, but I can control how I respond. And again, last week I kind of had that, and we'll use it again this week. But what is that blank? I may not control what happens in my life, but I can control how I respond. I am the master of what I do in these areas of life. So I can control my response. So what's your response? What's your response to all of this? What's your response to... You know, when something bad happens, whether that's currently right now, whether that's something in a relationship, in a family, what's your response? How can you live that out the best way possible? How can you move forward in that? So what's your response? So these seven things are enjoying God's peace in the storms of our life. Um, there's more to this passage, um, but this is really the first part. Um, so just you know, kind of ask yourself these questions. You know, flip these commands and ask yourself, are you doing these things? Are you able to trust the Lord? Are you able to follow through and really trust him with all of your heart and commit your ways to him? So may the Lord give us peace as we trust and commit our ways to him this week. Love you, Hope Assembly. Have a great week. Um, enjoy your time with family. Friends, as things open up, getting out into the world, um, be safe, stay healthy. Thank you for listening. It's our desire to lead people to know Christ and to make Him known. If you'd like to support the ministry of Hope Assembly, go to hopeassembly.org. Thank you for listening, and God bless.